It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by. Hello, hello. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. We are your hosts, me, Justin, from Los Angeles, and we, of course, have Mike over in the UK. What's up, my brother? Yo, how you doing, man? We've got a fun week ahead. Very, very fun week ahead. We've got a a very special guest that we've been looking forward to having, and we're just going to jump in and start with our spotlight of the week, which is the new NBC series Debris, the new sci-fi series uh, created by J.H. Wyman, who also, of course, was involved in The Fringe, which was another sci- very popular sci-fi show. Anywho, Debris. It had its premiere. You know, at this point, when the episode airs, it's going to be almost two weeks ago. It airs on Mondays at 10 p.m. on NBC. And besides the fact that it's been a while probably since either Mike or I have watched a network show, this one held a very special place in my heart because it has, you know, someone I'm lucky to call a friend in it as the lead, Jonathan Tucker. And so I was very excited to see him in this, to see him in a new show. He was fucking incredible in Kingdom. So... Debris, it's got Jonathan Tucker. He plays one of the two leads with Ryan Steele. Um, He's Brian Beneventi, who's a CIA operative. Ryan Steele is uh, Finola Jones, who is an MI6 operative. So the U.S., the U.K. coming together to explore this debris, which... Seems like it's it's debris from like an alien spacecraft is what you're made to sort of think leading into it. Would you say that's right, Mike? Yeah, and it definitely has some strange properties. And and obviously we, you know, we don't really know where it's going, but it kind of they threw a sort of a smorgasbord of sci-fi elements at us. You know, there's there's anti-gravity, there's kind of there's the aliens, there's pod stuff, there's, you know, potentially bringing people back from the dead. Uh, and obviously, the, you know, the U.S. and U.K. are working together to uh, try to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And, it, I, you know, I, I'm curious what you thought, but I thought it was, a, you know, for especially for network television, which I know a lot of us have veered towards all the platforms and, you know, your Netflix originals and HBO and this and that. And it's like. I was I was I was pretty impressed. I I was at the very least intrigued to see where this keeps going. I'm always in with sci-fi. I I love sci-fi stuff. Immediately I got a bit of an X-Files vibe. And I think for me it's that I personally I want to have more of an attachment 
to the characters, of course. And there's a lot going on with this show, clearly. And so they did a good job of setting up a bit of the mystery. And I'm hoping that episode two dives a little bit deeper into the into the characters and, you know, specifically, of course, the two main characters. Yes, it's funny that you said that, because, I mean, as as our listeners know, I'm not a big sci fi guy. So this this really probably won't be the show for me. Mm -hmm. But I think they did one, you know, what they had to do, which was set the mystery um, to kind of keep you keep you coming in, uh, which I think they did. Two, it's funny that you mentioned the part that you did, because I thought that that's what they did best, which is that one of our two main characters becomes sort of involved in the mystery in a very personal way uh so it's, it's no longer just sort of investigating there's no strange attachment between one of the characters and the mystery so exactly as you said it seems like we're definitely going to have to know more about these characters they're going to be involved in more than just a kind of you know x-files which is really just sort of a a case of the week episodic kind of thing right and it's like i'm I'm excited for this. Obviously, to a degree, they're doing a little bit case of the week type thing here. But there's very clearly going to be that serial story as well. And obviously, the end of the episode has has quite a twist. You you are right, Mike, that it did do a solid job of setting up both of their characters. I'm just I guess what I'm saying is more I'm excited to see them developed even more as these next few episodes go on, because I think any great show, you have to be invested in the characters. And I think there are two very interesting characters here that I'm intrigued to see where they go with each of them. And then of course, where they go with the story as, I mean, they threw a lot at us with, in terms of the debris. We'll, uh, we'll see how it plays out. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I was, not sure what to expect. I was just excited to see Tucker in the lead in a show, and I'm I'm very intrigued. I'll definitely be tuning in uh, for this first season. Okay, and now we're going to get down to why we're here this week. We've got a very special topic and an even more special guest. We've got top five Martin Scorsese films, one of the greatest directors of all time. And there's, of course, only one person who could help us rank these. The one, the only, one of my dear friends. He goes by many names. Danny Hollywood, Danny Darko. I mean, we're going to drop them all over the next couple hours. But we got Dan Creed in the house. What is up, my brother? Yo, what's up, boys? Oh, so glad to have you. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm stoked. I mean, as as you know, our guest last week, Zach Zachary Wexelman, told us these these two guys used to live together. I mean, and play in a band together. Shout out Space Cadets. Cadets. I, nobody, nobody can quote Marty films like you all day. We're gonna we're gonna hear some quotes today. <laughs> it's a it's a blessing and a curse. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dan, you're a, a verified Scorsese expert. But do you want to give us, I don't know, some some history about, you know, why you love him so much, when you really started getting into his films and kind of how the love affair continues today? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it started uh, when I was a teen. I saw a Taxi Driver and uh, that was the reason I wanted to go to film school. 
actually was that movie. I was like blown away. Young De Niro, Scorsese's kind of, you know, breakout after Mean Streets, um, you know, just fell in love. Obviously, like his movies, gangster movies. My mom was like a huge gangster fan, Sopranos fan, you know, all that kind of stuff. So like grew up watching, you know, all of his 90s movies with De Niro, Pesci. Um, and then, yeah, he just he kept making banger after banger. You know what I mean? He just kept it going. You know, there's like a bunch of great directors, but I feel like he has just solidified himself permanently, you know what I mean, with the greats. You know, I mean, he's been doing this for 50 years, you know what I mean? And that's just like, that's incredible. Which and, is insane. insane. Yeah, over the 50 year span too, like in every single decade, he's had like an amazing, amazing film. You know, it's like, you think back to like Hitchcock, like, you know, he was the 20s through the 60s mainly. I mean, he had the, the last frenzy was like in the 70s or whatever, but like, you know, it's kind of that same timeline, which just, you know, I don't know. Just I, I I love him. I did, I love him. I love the people he collaborates with. And it's it's incredible how he sort of has his phases where it's almost like he has his different actor that he zones in on and is the guy that gets him through. It's like it starts with with Harvey Keitel, then you've got De Niro, and then you've got Leo, of course, and that sort of continues yeah. to this day, we could say. I mean Yeah. He's got his muses throughout his, throughout his career. Yeah, and I was gonna say we should mention that all of his accomplishments uh, today. We're only gonna be talking about his narrative films, but he has uh, quite quite a uh, accomplished documentary career that we should mention as well. That people should definitely yes. definitely check out. And TV. Also, that's right. He's got a uh, Boardwalk Empire. He's got Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, pilot. Yeah. I think he won the Emmy for it. Yeah, I think you're right. And it was the largest TV pilot production to date. I mean, for Marty, of course, of course. Yeah. Also, how we'd be the three of us together, three guys who love Entourage. And we obviously did an Entourage yep, earlier on with my brother. Yeah. One of the greatest cameos of the entire show. Absolutely. Is when our dear friend Martin Scorsese shows up in the season five finale, offers Vinny a role. Unreal. Yeah. As Nick Nick Carraway. Nick <laughs> Carraway. <laughs> oh amazing. Amazing. But seriously, it's like I honestly this this last couple weeks, you know, I've always seen I'd say for me it was like I fell in love with Goodfellas when I was younger watched pretty much every movie that came out after then and really surprisingly enough for you know another person who went to film school I only had seen I think maybe one of of the film I'd only had also seen Taxi Driver of the earlier films until this week, which is insane because for about 15 years, I've been meaning to watch certain ones like Mean Streets and Raging Bull. And I and I did this week, but it's just the man's career is insane. And it, it blows my mind. Honestly, I was, you know, looking into him a little bit this week. I'm like, shit, like, like Marty's 78, like he's getting up there and he's still doing he's still doing his thing. I don't know if he'll ever stop. I think he may just do it until until his last day and i hope that he does 
he won't stop till he drops. Yeah, he won't stop till he drops. Yeah, no, he's a he's a true lover of film. He's a true lover of film, and I mean it's 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 fitting that he's the first director who we sort of take a little bit of a of a dive into on the pod here. I think, but should we get into this, boys? Let's let's do it. And you're you're going to lead us off today, right, Tim? Yes, yes. I'm going to lead us off. So my number five Martin Scorsese film is the 2002 Gangs of New York. Nice. Either of you guys have this one? Nope. I do not. It was close to being my number five, though. Okay. Yeah. I love it. So I like it. I like it. So Gangs of New York... One of the first, I'd say maybe the second Scorsese that I saw after Goodfellas holds a very special place in my heart. If you know me at all, you know that there's. it was inevitable that Marty would be someone who I like quite a bit because Leo is my favorite actor of all time. And I just think this movie is fucking awesome. We have we have Leo. We have Daniel Day-Lewis, one of, one of the greatest actors of all time, I mean, as well. So you have two of the greatest actors of all time, in my humble opinion, in this movie. He he plays Bill the Butcher, who's just such a great character. Then you've got Cameron Diaz. And I, and I know that this is sort of a contested topic, and a lot of people thought she was miscast or didn't like her. I'm going to go against the grain. I think she's fine in this. I mean, she's not. Obviously, she's not Leo Daniel Dude, Day quality. She's good. Yeah, I think this is like a great different role for her. And so and then, of course, we have Liam Neeson. We have John C. Riley. You know, we have um, who we got Brendan Gleeson in there. Jim Broadbent. This is there's a good little cast in here. It's worth note, too, that John C. Riley. This is one of his first serious like acting roles, too, which led him to Chicago, which led him to get supporting actor. And and think about it, John C. must have been stoked to be in a fucking Marty Scorsese film. And 100. now, now of course, he's one of the most recognizable names that we would know, especially, I mean, across the board, but especially in the world of comedy at this point. But yeah, Gangs, man, it's like, look, part of it, it's vi- a lot of Scorsese's films are very long. I'd say most of them are between two and a half and three hours. This one is no different. It is. And it's if you don't know anything about the film, just to give a very, very broad piece of what it's about. We are in the 1800s. 1862 specifically is where the majority of the film takes place. Pretty much when Leo's character was a kid, his name's Amsterdam. But when he was a kid, his father was killed by Bill the Butcher and in New York City pretty much there's like the five points and they have these different gangs essentially that run each of these territories. But Leo comes back as a young adult and he wants to slowly plot his revenge against Bill the Butcher. And that's, that's the general premise of the film. I'm going to admit going into this, I actually thought this movie would maybe even be higher on my list because I have such fondness for it. I do think there are moments that maybe drag a little bit, a little bit, or like where I thought the end 
the sort of the climax of the film wasn't as epic as it could have been for me in rewatch, but it's just such an interesting world that they're inhabiting for those few hours. It's I, I really love this movie. I think it's a great addition to his, to his filmography. I think it's a different time period than maybe any other film he's done. So I re I really enjoy this one. What's what, what do you guys think about it? Um, I'll go. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, like I love Gangs of New York. I've seen Gangs of New York probably like eight times. You know what I mean? I, I you know I me. Mean? I just rewatch movies. That's like twenty four hours, bro. Yeah, I know. Um, I think DDL is incredible in it. Um, Leo too. I, you know, like the Cameron Diaz thing. Like I've heard, I've heard that kind of stuff, and I, I agree. Like I think she's fine. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm indifferent. I'm not like, oh my god, like what the hell? Da, da, da. Like I, I think just like, yeah, she totally. was fine. You know what I mean? Like yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. like good role. Did it well, it's, served the purpose. Like, great. Is she amazingly stand out? No, but that's fine. You know what I mean? Um, it's like in this but, movie, she's not really supposed to be the standout, well, you know? Right. It's like she yeah. did. She played her role well. Yeah. Um, I I just got to do a side note. It's like the, the <laughs> town you're going to have this. The the five points, right? I can't reminds me of Reminds yeah. me of five towns. Five towns on it. <laughs> I don't know why my mind goes to that, but it always goes to that. <laughs> Not in my town. Not in any yeah. of my five towns. Any of my five towns. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like, I think too, like, you know, again, like, like I said before, like John C. Riley too, like we know John C. Riley as a wonderful comedic actor. And even just seeing him, in this role, I mean, it like, it like I was blown away because, you know, you, you think of John C. Riley and you're like, oh, like serious roles or whatever. And like you think of him on like his thing on like Adult Swim, like being that I forget the guy's name, but like whatever. Uh, the weird guy who's like, oh, it's a sleepy time, like go to dreamland. And uh, <laughs> but he's uh, he's amazing. And it like like he stood out to me as like a great part in it, you know, and call back to a previous pod. Also, Days of Thunder. An early yes. serious role for that was, that was like one oh, of the wow. absolute early like I'm yeah. I, and you know I don't I know we don't do this all the time these days but I have to Gangs of New York has some funny little like fun facts about it that I just need to drop one Leo actually broke Daniel Day Lewis's nose while filming this movie. And of course, Daniel Day was like, fuck it, we're, we're going to still film. So they still filmed the whole day. Then, of course, you know, he did what he did. Um, he also hated Daniel Day Lewis, hated his hair so much in the movie that the day they finished filming, he shaved his fucking head. Sounds sounds like a Billy Walsh move, actually, more <laughs> entourage shit. Um, and then one yeah, right. one last uh, two last things that one, this Italian guy famous for being a pickpocket over like a 30 year span. Of course, Marty was like, all right, I'm hiring this guy on the set because he has to teach Cameron Diaz how to how to be a pickpocket. And my favorite thing is if most of you have ever looked into Daniel Day Lewis, you know that he's a method actor. And Marty and Leo wanted to go out to dinner with Daniel Day. But he fucking refused to break character of Bill the Butcher and the fucking waitress. Apparently it was a whole thing and she was fucking terrified and like 
didn't want to go near their table. Can you just see Daniel Day just such a savage? It's, it's such a savage. Guys, a, the guy is really a legend. I feel the same way, man. I would go near that table. Screw that. No, yeah. no. And this, <laughs> yeah, fuck that. I'm like, oh. But anywho, Gangs of New York, number five. I mean, now the one, the only, Danny Hollywood. Officially, us, officially welcoming to the podcast with your pick. All right. All right, guys. This is going to be a curveball. Y'all ready for this? Number number five, Kundin. Oh wow! Okay, wow, dude. All right, deep cut. I'm actually just joking. That's a shout out to Zach Wexelman. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, he was like, dude, pick pick Kundin as your number five, and I was like, okay. Oh my god! Oh my god! God. It's not Kundin. It's not Kundin. Uh, It's Casino. Ooh. Okay. Is my number five. Do you guys have this on your list? Nope. Just missed mine. Almost almost was my number five. All right. Great fucking pick. Casino, just like going with the, you know, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, you know, saga, right? Um, I love this movie. It it has its flaws, but, you know, uh, I just, I love it. Uh, Sam Rothstein, Robert De Niro, you got Sharon Stone, Ginger, uh, who won the Academy Award? She she's great. She's amazing in this movie. Uh, Joe Pesci, uh, Nikki Santorum. I like a couple scenes that really stand out is uh, when uh, when the when the rival gangsters are trying to like trying to get their money, and Nikki comes up and he's like he's like oh, I'm over here now, and he like points to points to De Niro, and they're like we're waiting for Carmine, waiting for Carmine. Yeah, yeah, waiting for Carmine. He's like, oh yeah, I just uh, I just saw Carmine leave. He had a suitcase and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, Carmine left. Yeah, yeah, Carmine left. He's gone. I just I love it, and it's just so funny. And the <laughs> the straightness that he plays is just so good. And I think all my standout scenes are Joe Pesci in this, Dude. like, and and with the banker when he's like he's like, I'll come into the bank and I'll crack your fucking head open with a bat. And by the time I'm yes. getting out of jail, by the time I'm getting out of jail, hopefully you'll be coming out of your coma. And then I'll come back and I'll do it again. <laughs> it's just like, it's just so good. Uh, you know, follows the rise and fall of um, of the casino there owned by the mob. I just, I love it. It's just, it's one of my, it's one of my, one of my faves. Pesci in Casino is straight up probably my favorite Pesci and also maybe like maybe maybe my favorite role period of his i mean he yeah. like is the star of the show in my eyes it's just so he's good. insane cracks you up the entire fucking movie with how fucking ridiculous he is no one can do mob films like joe pesci not not a yeah. soul on this planet does that voice that vibe better than pesci man and this is like he is on top of his game in Casino. So good. Again, another long film. James Woods. James Jimmy yo, Woods. Jimmy Woods. Jimmy Woods is so funny in this movie. Yeah. He is. You know, he really is. He's like, he's like the fuck up comic relief almost, just because everything that he's in, you know, is just it's like it's tragic but hilarious. 
He's, I know, he his parts are like, and Sharon Stone, like you said, I mean, it, it's got to be one of her best roles. And it's like, De Niro, yeah. great as always. Fucking, yeah. it's just, it's such a great film. I know that it gets sometimes overshadowed by Goodfellas because they're like sort of his two mob, like three hour epics, but it's like. They're pretty similar. Casino is just though, it's so fucking good. It's so good. Dude, I actually have a funny, very, very short little Pesci story. So back in 2000, maybe around 2007, I was I was probably around 18, 19. Me, my brother and my parents. So as a family, we went out, we would go every year to this golf tournament in Connecticut. I grew up in Connecticut for anyone who doesn't know. And. I think it was called the GHO, like the Greater Hartford Open, something like that. Anyways, they had like the, you know, the celebrity, uh, like the the pro-am, whatever they call it, the day before they kicked off the actual tournament. And so a few different people were playing that we were interested in seeing. Luke Wilson was one of them. He was fucking hysterical. And that's a whole nother story for another time. But Pesci was there. And, you know, at this point, I'm a you know, I'm a big fan of. A couple, a few, a handful of his movies. But I'm like, at that age, we all thought Goodfellas was the shit, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, we got to fucking go see Pesci. We got to meet Joe Pesci. So we get over to Pesci eventually. And my brother and I were like, we, we need a picture with Pesci. So a couple times we sort of get close and almost get to say something, but he doesn't really respond. So finally, my mom Anami Cohen saving the day. She comes up. She comes with us. She's like, let's go. Let's go. And we see Joe walking between holes and he's walking right by us. And we're like, Joe, Joe, will you please take a picture for us? And my mom's like, excuse me, Joe, like the boys, they're big fans. They'd be so appreciative if you took a picture. My brother was a few years younger, so he was like 15 or something. And Joe looks right at us in his exact fucking tone that he does in every movie. He's like, you know, I don't, I don't usually do pictures. He's like, I don't do pictures. And then he's like, he's like, all right, for the kids, all right, I'll do some for the kids. And there's like, there's so many people that want pictures. And he's like, yeah, all these people are gonna ask me for pictures. And so, anyways, he takes a picture with me and my brother, and then there's just bails out on every other person that starts asking for pictures. Like, all right, hope that was good, kids. Hope that was good. It was just, it was, it was classic pesci it's like one of those things where other celebrities maybe that reaction would have like bummed you out for me it was like everything i wanted it's like that's how i wanted pesci to act in the situation you know okay oh, these all right kids all right let's take a quick picture let's go he's the, he's he's awesome pesci he dude. is he is what a guy what a fuck Cas- casino man great fucking pick yeah it, it almost didn't make the top five but on the on like the rewatch again, I was like, "Yeah, I I fucking love this movie." You know what I mean? I love this movie. Uh, you know, you see over Scorsese's, you know, all of his filmography, the the rise and fall of people, right? The mm-hmm. rise and fall. It's like the the rise up to greatness and then the fucking tragedy. You know what I mean? And I, it's just, I think this movie does that really well. I couldn't agree more. And I'm and I'm so happy you have it on the list because that was like the one that I was pretty sad to leave off mine. So I'm like, I'm glad it's getting love on the pod. Great, great pick. Starting us off with a classic. Well, two classics, really. I mean, 
most of Marty's are classics, to be fair. Yeah. But. <laughs> that said, looking at my number five, I, I guess this might be a bit of a, a bit of a curveball to both of you guys based on your picks. Sounds sounds like a Mike move right here. No, <laughs> Mike move. It's not like I could pull one out of left field. You have to find that amount of films. Uh, but I, there's there's four films of his that I think are a cut above the rest, and so that left just obviously a bunch of you know good films for number five. So I went with what I think might be his best directed film, and I will qualify that, which is. 1993's The Age of Innocence. Ooh. I am going to admit that I that was one of the few that I sadly did not get to this week. Me either. Oh, nice. Okay. Mike, you got to take this away, bro. Yeah. Explain. I'm happy. So, uh, well, first my comment about it being possibly the best directed, I think the analogy that I would make is like, you know, in sports, the, the, the person that wins coach of the year is usually like the person that does the most with the least. Uh, and this is kind of that. And not in terms of, you know, the source material, it's adapted from a novel. The source material is not the least in that way, but it's the film itself is so restrictive and different from what Scorsese um, has done in his other films that the, it's, it's a really, really, really delicate balance of subtlety that he pulls off amazingly well in this film. So it is... I think it's 1870s, also in New York. Um, and unlike so this Dad, is another sort of peer. Okay, so this is like the other one he does around that time period. It, sort it of. is, but it's kind of like if you were referencing gangs, it's sort of like the people uptown that that kind of become you know a sort of third plot of that film. So I got you. they're all like the aristocracy of New York, um, and Daniel Day Lewis is you know part of that aristocracy, and he is uh engaged to winona Ryder, and he you know feels himself falling for another woman michelle pfeiffer and things kind of take off from there but you know scorsese does such a great job of portraying just how restrictive this society is and everything is so prim and proper um that and obviously you know it not being like a film with overwhelming violence or something like that, that Scorsese is used to, he's already constrained and you just feel um, all of this tension and everybody just behaves in the most subtle ways. So it's, it's wrong for Daniel day Lewis to do anything overt um, to show his attraction to Michelle Pfeiffer, but it's also wrong for the rest of the people in the film to even acknowledge that this is happening. So like a nod here, a glance there is the equivalent of like, Yo, fuck you, bitch! You're stealing my woman, like that kind of thing. Like it's it's insane how he manages that tension with just such subtle, um, just 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 subtle filmmaking all around. And then the little moments that happen from there, um, really kind of give the depth to the film. And and I think, well, I'll tell you one thing that Scorsese said that this was his most violent film which which i think is a little bit of an exaggeration but the point is that the emotional there's absolutely no violence in the film but the emotional um play of what's going on here and how damaging it would be is what kind of draws you in and really 1870s new york period films is not the type of thing that i would tend to go for so i was i'd never seen this film until this week and and i loved it so much and i think that that really just speaks to you know you had gangs, 
uh, Danny had, had Casino, and then there's this film, which is like a delicate period piece romance. So that's just his range that he has um, just as such an accomplished filmmaker. Which is unbelievable. And dude, I'm definitely going to take a look at Age of Innocence this week because when I was doing sort of my due diligence, seeing maybe what how certain films were regarded that I hadn't seen if I wanted to try to get to them. This one was next on my list because I had, I saw that a lot of people from the critics to fans to just scrolling Reddit, a lot of people shouted this out as a super underrated Scorsese film. So I was like, all right, there's gotta be something there. There's gotta be something there. And you have confirmed that. Plus it's DDL. Yeah. And he's, he's amazing. He, I think he he definitely like checked into a hotel or something I read for like two weeks as his character from the 1870s, like clothing, <laughs> clothing included and would just like walk around as if he was that guy. Just total savage. He is so, so savage. This guy's a legend. What is it? What is it? And there will be blood. You drink my milkshake? The whole milkshake. I drink from your milkshake. (laughs) 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 Got to be like one of the most infamous scenes in film. Yeah. Greatest film of all time. Oh my God. That is your favorite, isn't it? It is. Wow. A great movie. Well, we've gone through number five, boys. Time to hit number four. I'm curious if anyone else is going to have my number four somewhere on the list. I know it's, it's a big one in terms of popularity. My number four is 2006's The Departed. I got that higher on my list. Okay. Mike, do you have that one on your list? I I don't. Okay. Well, in that case, we'll get to it later. Danny Hollywood, give us number four. My number four, almost his comeback, or you could say his comeback to filmmaking, Raging Bull. That's also my number four, you epic Wow. Oh, nice. Look at these guys. Yeah. Syncing up. Uh, Go for it. Town, do you have that on your list at all? I don't. I don't. Uh, Yeah, Raging Bull, man. I I just rewatched this one. I love it. The story behind it is, you know, late 70s Scorsese ODs on coke and winds up in the hospital. Says he's going to quit filmmaking. Never going to make another film again. He's done. Da, da, da. Robert De Niro comes to him with this script about a boxer. And he's like, you need to make this movie with me. You need to make it. And Scorsese's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing another film. Da, da, da. Supposedly De Niro kept going back and was like, you need to make this goddamn movie. You need to make this movie. Finally, Scorsese agrees and says it's going to be his last film ever. Says he's going to quit filmmaking. It's going to be his last film ever. And... I think honestly, it it was his major comeback into a career spanning just amazing films. Uh, you know, Jake LaMotta, the boxer. Um, yeah, Sugar Ray Robinson, his t- the title fight. You know, uh, it's 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 great. The boxing sequences are absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, fast cuts. You know, they're, you're in the ring with them. You know, it, it's a really great movie. Plus, there's some great emotional scenes, uh, you know. And my one of my favorite things is people think the forget about it. That came from Donnie Brasco. No, it did not. It came from Raging Bull. When 
De Niro is asking Joe Pesci to punch him in the face. And he's like, no, forget it. <laughs> like, forget about it. Forget about it. You know? And I, I love that little, I love that little, that little, little tidbit, but. First on the, the, the boxing, I think it might be my favorite boxing scenes ever. They're just so, yeah. so violent. It's really like wet. You know, there's like sweat and blood flying everywhere. Like you said, you're inside the ring. Whereas like a lot of movies, you tend to be sort of outside the ropes. So you feel everything he, you know, he uses weirdly shaped rings at time to get the different perspectives that he's looking for. And something about the black and white just just makes it yeah. it just gets me every time. I love 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 the look of this film. I feel like the black and white adds like such like more emotion to it as well. Like it's such a stark contrast, you know what I mean? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And and the one thing I think that's not maybe super obvious about this film for what people know about it is that obviously De Niro's great, Pesci is great, but Kathy Moriarty in her film debut at only 19 is fucking incredible. She's so, so good in this movie. I just, I just rewatched that scene when uh, he's, he's trying to like, trying to confront Pesci about, uh, you know, about like why Pesci took care of this guy. I forget the guy's name, but then he's like, do you fuck my wife? Do you fuck my wife? Oh, with the TV. Yeah. And then, and then he goes to her and she's like, I sucked his cock. I sucked his cock. Like, oh, it's good. And it's like, it's just so like, oh my God, you know? And she's fucking slapping her yeah, shit. And then he goes, it's the shit out of Pesci. And it's just like, oh my God, she was fantastic. Yeah. And even like, I, you know, the scene where they first meet De Niro and Kathy Moriarty over like through the fence, they pretty much yeah. improvised that entire scene. And this is her first movie. It's, it's unbelievable how sort of like natural uh, she plays it. She's really, really good. And Pesci obviously is incredible. Yeah, she was great. And I'm, and, and boys, this was, that was probably his biggest movie that I had never seen. And I finally watched this week. And I did also, I thought it was great. I agree with what you guys said about black and white. I thought enhanced it and great performances all around. I mean, again, you cannot go wrong with De Niro and Pesci. For me, it didn't quite make it. Maybe it's because I didn't have as deep of a tie to it from the past. Some others I did. But either way, I was impressed because I honestly didn't think it was going to be my type of movie. I don't know why I thought that. I just had a weird feeling. And I'm with both of you that I think the actual boxing scenes are some of the best in a film. And it's it's really, really solid movie. And, a, and obviously a very important piece of his career. And Dan, I didn't know that background. Epic. To your point, Town, I think that the, the maybe the downside of this film that I struck... Well, first of all, it's not a fun film to watch, obviously. No, no. Uh, it's depressing as shit. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the downside, if you could pick one of the film, is that you really... You kind of are looking for that little bit of opportunity to identify with De Niro's character, and you never really do. He's just a piece of shit the entire time. And then at the yes. end, you sort of have... Maybe it's pity more than empathy, but it's it's not the same as like, you know, Rocky, where you're like, oh, I'm gonna get behind this guy because he's going for the title. You're like, I don't really give a shit if this guy wins. He's just a piece of shit. Like, fuck right. it. He's not a good guy. It's like yeah. it's it's fascinating to watch what's going on with him and his life and his story and this character study on him. But it's like, no, he's you cannot identify him. I don't with him. I don't think. But fucking Marty, somehow he still makes a, an unbelievable movie out of it. Again, rise and fall. 
again, tragedy, you know, it's like, but even more so because you're right. You, you, you pity the guy. You don't empathize with him. You pity him. It's like truly tragic. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Raging bull, man. So that's back to you, right? Tim? It's back to me. Number three, a movie I'm really high on that. I don't know how everyone else feels. I think it's a, it's a hit or miss for some people. It's 2010's Shutter Island. Oh, nice. Either Very you well. have this one? I do, I do not. not. Beautiful. Beautiful. So Shutter Island, I'll never forget when I first saw it in theaters. When we were all in Boston, I loved this movie so much. I saw it opening night. I went back the next night and watched it again in theaters. <laughs> Next night, next night, I've rarely I've done that maybe maybe three to five times in my life is one of those times. Shutter Island, it's you know, it's a it's a psychological thriller. It's a mystery. Again, it's it's a different genre than I think Scorsese ever really tackled prior to this. And I love that genre. And I feel like he just fucking killed it. Again, we this is another Leo film. You've got Mark so Ruffalo good. who is great so in this. Good. So fucking good. And you know, you've got Ben Kingsley, Max Fonsito, you've got Michelle Williams, um Jackie Earl Haley in a great little part. But it's just it's a very very interesting movie. Essentially, again, plot very general. It's 1954. Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a US Marshal. He's called out to investigate um, the disappearance of a woman who has escaped from this uh, mental institution that's on an island off of Boston. And if it's your first time watch, it one has one of the bigger twists of the past 15 or so years in film, and which I won't ruin even though we're so far beyond the time, just if you haven't seen it. You, you got to go in without knowing it. And once you know the twist, it's fun to go back again because you notice so many things, of course, the second time and the third time and so on. But he just, Scorsese captures the vibe too fucking well, man. He just get he hits it on all points. You feel like you're going insane almost watching the movie of this mental asylum with all these criminally insane people there. I just love it, man. Shutter Island. I think that it doesn't, I think it's a movie of his that doesn't get as much prestige maybe as others. And I think he deserves a lot of props because it's different than his typical wheelhouse. Not that he even has a typical wheelhouse. We've obviously said he's very diverse, but I don't think he has another movie like this. And I think he absolutely crushes it out of the park. And as you've seen, Leo, uh, Leo continues to make an appearance in every movie on my, on my oh, list yeah. so far. Plus it was shot at the Medfield, the abandoned Medfield, uh, uh, state hospital there. That's, that's what it is. That's yeah. Right. I mean, if anyone would know this, this guy that we're talking to right here, <laughs> he's a, he's a Boston boy through and through born, born and raised. raised. Born and raised. It's like we all spent a little time there, but this guy spent a lot yeah. of time there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah kid. 
Leo's guy, you know, Leo's sporting his 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 Boston accent. It's like he still had it left over from the departed, you know. He's like he's like I still I can't got wait this. to oh, hear yeah. Creed's Boston accent come uh, out all through the departed. I just can't wait to we... <laughs> <laughs> It will. It will. Oh, what's it will. I can't I'm like holding back. I want to say so many lines from it. We'll wait. We'll wait. Oh man. But yeah, and what do you guys think about Shutter Island? For for me, I I was very curious to rewatch it this week because, as you said, it is you know it does have a big twist, mm-hmm. and in my mind, the twist came like much later in the film. I think here it happens with like a half hour to go, but even then, like it's hard to say once you already know. But I think it's pretty clear about forty five minutes in, kind of what's happening, so you know where it's going. But maybe that's not fair, you know, having already seen it. But it's that that did make it a little bit more tedious. I kind of just wanted to get to the twist. But even I didn't really remember like the last maybe two minutes of the film, which adds like a whole other layer to it. So yeah, exactly. So it's not just like a gimmicky twist. Like it totally adds a whole new meaning to the film. So I'd enjoyed it. I didn't really consider it to my list, but but as you said. Um, it's pretty much an underrated thriller, and and you know the only thing that I think you could sort of lump in with it is Cape Fear, even though it is different, and also Cape Fear yeah. is not it's not original material, so it's um, yeah, so it's it's definitely definitely worth True. considering. And if you have seen it, you know the twist. I like you said, go back and watch it because it definitely changes the film a bit, but it's still enjoyable. I mean, I I, I love Shutter Island. It you know it was it was definitely a consideration, but. And I just, I just some of my, some of the other ones I feel just like outweighed it a little a little little little, little bit you know a little bit little teeny bit. Well, tell us what those are. I mean, uh, we're on number three, right? Yeah. Um. All right. My number three, which I this morning I sw- I switched a couple things around. I slept last night. I woke up this morning and I was like, Ooh. I was like, oh man, like. Ah, shit, <laughs> you know? So uh, I did a couple things, but uh, my number three, one of the classics, Goodfellas. Oh, it's it's higher on my list. Higher on your list? It's higher on okay. mine as well. Okay, all right. Well, we will wait. We yeah. will wait. All right, well, over to me then. PTM. My number three, 1974's Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Wow. The other one that I didn't see that I really wanted to see because I heard great things. So, okay. So another film with uh, a bit of a story behind it that I think changes how you might sort of interpret it. But the star of this movie, Ellen Burstyn, so she is a star, not the star, I guess, but she is one of the main people in The Exorcist. Uh, And basically, while that film was still filming she was approached by the studio about making another movie so basically it was hers to make she selected the movie she needed to find a director she approached uh i think she talked to brian de palma who said hey you should talk to uh coppola who said oh you should definitely check out this guy's so easy uh so she watched mean streets and decided that that was uh, that that was kind of the feel that she was going for. So she ended up hiring him uh, as the director. So this movie is 
uh, well, it's really about so Ellen Burstyn, her husband dies uh, early in the film, and she, you know, being a woman uh, who hasn't worked in a long time, she has a kid, and she effectively just needs to hit the road. Uh, she wants to make it back to where she used to sing as a kid in Monterey, California. She's in New Mexico. And yeah, she really just has nowhere to go. So she ends up kind of hitting the road uh, and working a couple different jobs on the way, uh, meeting different people, having different types of relationships uh, with both you know men uh, in terms of romantic relationships uh, and, and women in terms of friendships as well. And this movie just, uh, it just really struck me because... Alice, our main character, is just such a complete, real character. I mean, she, you know, it's, it's painful and it's also happy. You know, she's a mom, but she also has these sort of romantic relationships and she has to dodge that and she struggles and she, you know, she overcomes at times. She breaks down at others and she's just so like you just totally feel like you know her uh, and want to be her friend. She's such a, a 3D uh, character and it just she won uh, Best Actress uh, at the Oscar for it for this film, and she was just well deserved. Um, Harvey Keitel is in it, and he's amazing. Chris Christopherson is in it, and they have amazing yeah. chemistry together. Diane Ladd is yeah. fantastic. Small appearance by Jodie Foster, who's who's also great in, in a very small role. But it's just it's just a really rich film for being uh, a lot more observational than the type of stuff Scorsese would come to be known for but it's, it's sort of similar to what he was doing kind of earlier on his, in his career yeah I've, I've only heard good things about this movie have you seen it dan i i actually have not no and i love chris christopherson Fan, he's great yeah they have he's they great. have such such great chemistry together i think this is probably his best role uh he, he's just really good in it and they're yeah there's a there's a lot of good characters and it's 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 one that i think i i know town you would like uh, and obviously, Dan, if you, if you like Scorsese, you'll you'll like this too. Dan's like, I don't fucking like Scorsese. <laughs> I'm just yeah. doing this as a favor. I fucking hate him. <laughs> JK, JK, I love him to death. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, please, Miss, Mr. Scorsese, if you ever listen to this, I love you so I much. Put me in, coach. Put me in. Put me in. <laughs> uh, well. We're down to number two. And my number two is Dan's number three. It's Goodfellas. I still have it higher. Okay. Okay. Someone had to. Danny Hollywood. Hit us. Uh, all right. My number two. Uh, Zach Wuxman gets a prize because it is the aviator. Wow. It is the Aviator. Uh, Zach, we'll Wex, figure something out, Zach. brother. We we got something. I was something. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I know. You know. Do you, do you guys have us on your? You guys don't have us on your list, do you? No. I'm guessing probably no because we're down to the two. Yeah. So, look, like, I I don't know why, but I am obsessed with this movie. I fucking love this movie. Leo is so good. Again, John C. Riley brought back. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's a great, I love the time period, you know, the 1920s spanning up to the 40s. Um, I love it. I think Leo does a great job. It's a great window into obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, yep. 
the mind of a savant crazy genius you know what i mean plus just like some of the lines you know i gotta again z wax i know you're listening so you know just like when they're like howard are you sure they're gonna are you sure they're gonna let you make a movie all about tits and he's like sure who don't like tits <laughs> you know and it's just so good you like you like he like holds up the, 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 the picture of, of the brassiere and he's like, we are not getting enough production out of Jane Russell's mammaries or breasts or whatever he says. He's like, I want smooth titties, gentlemen, smooth titties. <laughs> and just, you know, like, you know, Howard Hughes, you know, uh, just kind of like a counter thing too. like Warren Beatty, he did the rules of the game a couple years ago, which um, I actually got to meet Warren. We got to see a bunch of advanced screenings of Rules of the Game, which is another Howard Hughes biopic. Mm. Um, completely different. Scorsese's is so dark. It's it's so uh, emotional and daunting and tragic and just, again, tragedy. Again, just like all the shit that happens. Alec Baldwin is so good in this. Um, fucking Alan Alda. Uh, you know, and then you have... Um, uh, Kate Blanchett. Planchette, Catherine Hepburn. Um, I mean, yeah, I've seen The Aviator a lot, like a lot. Um, I just love it. I think think it's funny. That fucking movie. I love the movie. I think it's funny. I think it's tragic. I think it's emotional. I think it spans a whole range of emotions, and like, I can't get enough. You know what I mean? I just, I can't get enough. Um, I think Leo does an amazing job. I think it's one of, I think it's one of his better roles that he's done. Um, top, top three, I think for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think just, uh, you know, in the, in the ending, the way of the future, way of the future, way of the future, uh, Yeah. you know, I just, I, it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's, you know, uh, Again, it's kind of like, you know, at the end of Gangs in New York with the time lapse, the cemetery, seeing the city mm-hmm. built and, you know, almost that's like the way of the future, right? It's like he connects, yep. he almost connects, there's certain themes over all of his movies that kind of connect with one another. And I think, you know, 2002 to 2004, it's kind of that way of the future, you know what I mean? And how that kind of bridges over. And I just, yeah, I just, I freaking love this movie. Dude. It's so funny because obviously I've seen all of Leo's films and I mean, they're all fucking great, but with the exception of maybe one or two that are just okay. But Aviator, fucking great performance wise. I truly believe it is top three. And I mean, he is so good. And he was young, like relatively young compared to a lot of maybe his other roles when he did Aviator. It's like it's like for me, I guess the only reason it's not on my list is not that I don't think it's a fucking great movie and his performance is fantastic. And I especially like the whole insight into OCD because I I have OCD and it's like it's it's pretty insane. Just like seeing some he obviously has a very extreme version as the film goes on. But for me, it's not one of his most rewatchable for me. And so that's the, the only reason it like didn't make it. But it's so good. I think it's shot exquisitely. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And and the, again, the performance is so top tier. And I do feel like sometimes that gets forgotten. It's like 
there's so many good Leo movies and people forget about some. I feel like the caliber of the performance is just unbelievable in this one. Just a very well done yeah, movie. Yeah, I really liked it this time around as well. I, I think the reason it didn't make my list is I realized that the, you know, Dan was talking about it. It happens in almost every Scorsese movie, the sort of rise and the fall. I think the fall, like the hour that is the fall in this one is fucking incredible. That it's some of it, it's some of his best filmmaking. Yeah. I don't enjoy the rise as much, uh, but it's it's great. It just it just doesn't really call out to me as much. Kind of, it it you know what's weird watching it now is it's very like it's very Elon Musky. Like it's hard to look away from just like rich eccentric doing whatever the fuck he wants, sort of thing for me. I kind of like got yeah. it got a little mm-hmm. muddy for me. But the fall and especially where Leo really from the crash, which is a crazy scene that Leo's incredible in, but really from there, he's just a monster. The yeah. whole thing is so, so good. Danny, I have actually a question for you because yeah. so, for, so for everyone listening, Danny is like a fucking Jack of all trades. He's, he's acted in movies. He's been in bands out here. He's going to school and throughout some of it, a lot of it, he's done what so many of us do in LA and he is like the top server at one of the most famous vegan restaurants in the country, Crossroads, which, you know, there's such an interesting cast of characters that obviously come in there and has led to many encounters, is partly led to the name Danny Hollywood. And <laughs> I know that Leo's come in at least once, maybe a couple times. And isn't there's got to be a story you, you can tell us about our, our favorite guy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I met Leo a couple times. Waited on him a couple times. Uh, always a sweetheart. How could he not be? Sweetheart. The guy. The guy is fucking awesome. He always wears a baseball cap. <laughs> never, never will not wear a baseball cap. But I remember one of the stories he was in with some friends for brunch, and one of his friends orders a latte. And Leo orders a cappuccino. So I go make a latte. I go make cappuccino. Come back. Give the latte to his friend. Give a cappuccino to Leo. And Leo goes, whoa, 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 whoa. What's this? I was like, that's a cappuccino. And he was like, this this is a cappuccino. I was like, yeah, that's that's a cappuccino. And he was like, well, what is a cappuccino? I was like, it's... Uh, like a third espresso, a third steamed milk, and a third foam. And he was like, so th- this, so wait, so what's that? And I was like, that's a latte. And he was like, so th- this right here, this is a cappuccino. This is, and I was like, yes. I was like, do you want more, do you want more like foamed milk? Do you want, do you want more? Like, what, like, what can I, what can I redo? And he was like, and he literally goes, no, I just had no idea where the fuck a cappuccino was. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I was like, that's a cappuccino. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks, man. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, cool. Like, no problem. And he was like, thanks. And I was like, all right, see, see you later. <laughs> and then I thought, I thought, I was like, what, did you want a latte? But then later on, he was like, hey, can I have another one of those things, you know, the cappuccino you made me? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll make you another cappuccino. Like, no problem. Uh, what a um, but no, he's... <laughs> He's come in a bunch. He's he's awesome. He's so sweet. It's kind of hard too, you know, because obviously, like, you know, at nighttime the restaurant's got a different vibe, but during the day it's kind of like, uh, you know, 
it's light. People can see, people want to take photos. People got to, you know, they want to talk to them and da da da. And you got to kind of like block, like block them out and things like that. And, you know, we try to cater to that for mm-hmm. him too, just because, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's fucking Leo, you know, and he's one of the most recognizable, famous people on he's, the planet, you know, he, but, uh, but no, I gotta he's, say he's the I've, A plus list. He's yeah, literally I've met him like five or six times and he's always just a fun, jovial, you know, likes to laugh, likes to, you know, likes to break a little balls with his friends. You know, he's just like, he's just like a, re- you know, like when he comes, he's just like a regular dude. You know what I mean? Just like with his friends, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it goes back to like, you know, like, you know, kind of like the entourage kind of esque type of deal. I know it's based off Mark Wahlberg, but in the same respect, like Leo had his entourage, Kevin Connolly, Lucas Haas, you know, and it's kind of that same vibe. They just, Toby McGuire. Yeah. Toby. Yeah. Yeah. They love breaking each other's balls and, and all that, but no, he's he's great. He's I, I'm 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 hoping he comes in again. I, I you know I, I miss seeing the guy. You know, I'm I'm sure he will once uh, you know fingers crossed once everything starts opening up down. a little bit over the next few months. And you got to be yeah. like, uh, Leo, you want a cappuccino? You yeah, want a cappuccino? Hey, you want that cappuccino? <laughs> I wonder if when he ordered it from you, he knew he had no fucking clue what it was, and he was like, I'm finally gonna ask someone what's in a goddamn cappuccino. I'm like, what I compelled think, him? I, th- I have so many questions. I think, yeah. I think also he just wanted to order the opposite of what his friend ordered, just to order the <laughs> other thing. I swear to I swear to God. He was like, oh, you're getting that? Then I'll get this. And he has like no <laughs> idea what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Oh. But, yeah. What a oh, Leo. Oh, Leo. Oh. Um, what a, great number two. What a mensch. Yeah. Yeah. What a mensch. Mike. All right. What's My number two, two is 1985's After Hours. Okay. Yep. Ooh. This is a fun one. This so, is a fun one. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit different from some other Scorsese stuff, but it is a, so I guess you'd say a black comedy. Um, it, it follows uh, Griffin Dunn as he, you know, heads down to Soho in, in search of a lady, Roseanne Arquette, and things unfold from there, and he has a night that just, you know, explodes into, you know, paranoia and, and all kinds of craziness that happens to him. And it's, I, I hadn't seen this in forever. And, and on my rewatch now, I literally spent the entire time just yelling at my computer, the only vacillating between two things, which is <laughs> what the fuck? And no, 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 don't do that. Like it's, and it's just, it's so much fun. <laughs> and you can tell Scorsese's really having fun. Um, you know, we, we spoke a little bit about some of his troubles that he had, you know, prior to Raging Bull, but around this time he'd also been, uh, well, he had a few movies that didn't do that well in terms of box office. And also there's this whole saga with Last Temptation of Christ about getting it made and all this, you know, all kinds of drama with the studio and things like that. And in this movie, you could tell he just, he wanted to do something low budget He's having a blast. It's it's such a funny movie. There's there's such a crazy cast of characters that come in. Um, you know, just like Cheech and Chong come in sort of out of nowhere. Will Patton has an absolutely absurd cameo. Uh, Catherine O'Hara just enters like way later and is is totally hilarious. And while it's it's like totally uh, bonkers and a totally crazy movie, it's also it's just funny because I said I said this to you uh, when I watched it maybe a week or so ago, down because you had just said something to me. But like uh-huh. we 
you know, one of the best things about living in the city is that we've all had these nights, you know, not to this scale, but you just find yourself in weird places, doing weird shit, coming home with weird stories. Uh, and, you know, the way I'm not really spoiling anything, but the way this movie ends where it's they debated how to end it and he consulted all kinds of different people uh, and, and really it just ends exactly where it began. And that's just sort of how life works. You have these crazy nights and you just kind of start over again the next day. The next day. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I hadn't seen it until this past week and I was very, very pleasantly surprised, had a lot of fun with it. And I think you nailed it all with what you said about it. Yeah. It's a trip. It's a trip. It's literally a trip, you know? And again, very different from anything that he's done. I feel like in the I feel like in the eighties too, he was experimenting mm-hmm, with definitely. that. You know what I mean? Going away from his usual thing. And then he experimented for a while and then went back to his usual wheelhouse. If you can call yep. it the usual wheelhouse. But yeah, exactly. Like having fun, you know, like he was like, I'm never gonna make another movie again. And then he was like, Yeah, fuck it. Let's 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 do some crazy shit. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And and big shout out to Joe Minion. This is his script. Uh and this was his first script that ever got made into a movie. This was his his thesis at Columbia Film School. So big, big honor for you wow. to have your thesis project be made into a fucking Scorsese. Yeah, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I think the time has come, my friends. Number one. Number ones. So my number one, going into this whole thing, I knew the movies that would be towards the top. It didn't exactly pan out in any which way exactly how I thought it would. And the movie that came out as number one, what's so crazy for me is that it was like there was no question in my mind once I watched it. And it, to me, personally, is the most rewatchable and just has me in hysterics and just loving it front to back. And that is 2013's The Wolf of Wall Street. So good. That that is an honorable mention for me. I, it, it was like right on the precipice. I, you know, I, oh, yeah, yeah. I did. I wanted it to be on there so bad, but oh my yeah. god! I mean, I just I remember when I saw this when it came out in theaters, and I was very lucky in that. You know, I at that point had not ever seen Leo in person and he did like this Q&A that I went to and it was, it was fucking fantastic. But I remember when I saw the movie, I was like, this movie's fucking great. I mean, I pretty much again, most Leo movies when I go to see him, like, wow, that was fucking incredible. So to me, it was another one where I was like, that was fucking amazing. And it wasn't really i think i had rewatched it once since then but it wasn't until this rewatch i just could not believe maybe even sometimes when you watch a movie at the time you don't realize that it will age so well and it's like now we're 8 years removed and i am just blown away i personal personal thought of course i think it's leo's best role of all time i think it's his best acting performance i think he was fucking robbed and then, of course, he got it for Revenant, which he was which he was incredible in. But I think he deserved it for this one. And he plays yeah. the character so perfectly. It actually blows my mind as I watch. And he 
some of the scenes, I mean, the Quaalude scene, I mean, it's unbelievable when he has to crawl back to the car. The amount of epic movie speeches in this in this movie, speaking of, you know, our episode that you just dropped before this with Zach, where one of my picks was the, the, ep, the you know, the Leo speech that I'm not fucking leaving. And there's even another unbelievable speech earlier in the movie where he's talking about what it takes essentially to be a winner. And it's he is just so on fire. The supporting cast is on another level. I mean, Jonah Hill. Holy shit. Holy shit. He's unbelievable in this. Like McConaughey is only in it for a short time and is incredible. It's like you've got, you know, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner, John Bernthal's awesome in it. You've got Favreau. I mean, and it goes on Margot and on, Rock. honestly. Margot Robbie, of course. How can I forget? I mean, it's so fucking good. And there's so many lines. There's so many moments. And I I truly, after watching it this week, I was like, I think this is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just, it's so good. And I have one little Leo story to add to, to, add to yours, Danny. So Leo, you know, Truly, the one actor that I am, like, obsessed with. I think he's the fucking greatest, the greatest actor of all time. I think he's the fucking man. And if there's any actor I really wish in life that I could meet, it's Leo. And so back when the Oscars were airing in, uh, you know, early 2014, in which Wolf of Wall Street was nominated, Leo was up for Best Actor that year. And I, by chance at the time, I was working in the film industry at the time, uh, my boss, Mark Bordy, who's a fucking legend, shout out to Mark. He decided that he was going to bring me and, you know, our all of our other good friend Kramer in the limo with him to the red carpet. He was bringing our other friend Bill there to, you know, go to the actual ceremony because Mark's an Academy member. He was like, boys, like, let's pregame with us. We'll get in the limo. We'll go to the red carpet. We'll see what happens. So we get over there. Kramer and I get out of the limo just by like chance. I could not believe, by the way, how much security there was. I never fully understood it. You go through multiple like SWAT team checkpoints in your limo. We get to where you get out and they usually check your ticket as you get out. But we happen to get there right in this just hush. And they just asked us if we had tickets rather than look at them. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just, we walk out. Kramer and I are on like the first part of the red carpet. You have to go through a checkpoint with your ticket to get to the part that, where they interview everyone. But we're waiting there. We're there for a while. We see everyone you could think of. But Kramer looks at me and he goes, because he knows my love for Leo. He goes, we're not fucking leaving until Leo shows up. And this one security guard, like, sort of started realizing, yeah, these guys are lingering a while. They clearly don't have tickets. And I could be like, no, no, my mom's a producer. She's coming. She's coming. And so we're hanging out. We're sort of waiting behind this statue where that specific security guard couldn't see us. And all of a sudden, because there's crowds outside on fences looking in. We just heard a roar that over the past 30 minutes, you hadn't heard anyone get that reaction. And Kramer just looks at me and goes, there's only one person in Hollywood that gets that big of a fucking applause. And so <laughs> we peer out 
Leo's getting out. And Kramer, God bless him, literally just takes me by the shoulders and just starts plowing me through the crowd towards Leo. And we're going past security guards. We're going past everything. And there's a very specific checkpoint where it's like you get onto that interview area, real red carpet. You cannot go past. And Leo is three steps away from it. And Kramer pushes me just through at the right moment. And I just go, hey, Leo. And he turns around. He looks at me. We're standing, you know, two feet away from each other. And he's got, you know, he's got those piercing eyes. And he's just looking in my eyes. And I'm like, hey, man, like, big fan. I really hope you win tonight. Just wanted to say good luck. Good luck out there. And he just gives me for about maybe, you know, maybe 10 Mississippis just staring at me. I think trying to think, do I know this guy? Because I'm in a suit on the beginning of the red carpet. It's like, why would I, you know, maybe he knows me. But eventually, I think he just said fuck it in his head. He just, I had my hand out. He puts his hands out, his hand out, gives me like the firmest handshake I've ever had. And he just leans in and goes, thanks, man. And then he walks onto the fucking red carpet and gets interviewed. (laughs) Maybe the greatest. I turn around and Kramer has tears in his eyes. He's like, that was fucking epic. (laughs) Well, town, I've got I've got the video somewhere of when we were down in Santa Monica for the Oscars and he won and you and your brother are fucking bear bear hugging hugging. each other, jumping up and down, bear hugging, screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah, yeah. I I always say if I ever see Leo again, I think he I mean, who knows? You might think I'm a weirdo, but I think it'd be funny if I showed him that video. He might get a kick out of it. Be like these fucking guys. But yeah, man. So I had to share a little Leo story that was Wolf of Wall Street related, but I love that movie. And if you've never seen Wolf of Wall Street, check it out. It is it is epic on many, many levels. I, w- I wanted it. I can see it so Just, much in uh, you. <laughs> I know, dude, like I uh, I know. And it was it was right. Like it was right there, bro. But, you know, it just. I, I had, you know what I mean? Had you had to jumble. jumble. You know what I mean? Dude, the, the, had oh, the Quaalude scene. I mean, so many scenes, but like, I mean, my personal favorite scene, which again, I know I noted in our last week's podcast, is that speech. I mean, it's just unbelievable how he goes from accepting that he has to, you know, give up the company and whatnot, and then sort of realize in the middle of the speech, he's being a fucking hypocrite to everything he's ever believed in. And just... The emotion, you can tell how much he loves the employees. And then, of course, the, you know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Mike, are you a Wolf fan? You know, it's a lot of fun. It's It's just a little bit below some of these other ones, only because it's like, it's like two and a half hours of just debaucherous good times. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's like, oh, wait, actually, this has consequences. Yeah. And then at the very, very end, it's like, actually, no, it doesn't. It's, yeah. like, it's just like, yeah. As, as a film, and then it's just a fun time again. Hey. Yeah, it's, just, it's tough not to love it, but it's, it's, it's maybe just not quite as complex as I would like it to be. 
I totally respect that. And I do. You know what I don't respect, though, Mike? I don't think you had a single fucking Leo movie on this list. Nope. No, I don't. And you guys already know my number one. So <laughs> you're right. I, don't. Of a... I mean, I love yeah. I love Leo. I'm sorry. I know. You know what? I made up for it by having four movies out of my five that had a minute. So we it was a little give and take. It was a little give and take. But anywho. Well, I think we know heading into Dan's number one. Oh, you we're gonna get already. a little bit more Leo. A Leo taste. <laughs> so look. So obviously my number one, the departed. Fuck yo. Fuck yo. This movie to me, I've probably this is the Scorsese film that I've seen the most. Um, I love it. It also holds just such like nostalgic shit for me. You know, what I mean, I grew up in Boston, all the places they go, you know, um, Harbor Towers, which they show there, my nana lived there. You know, the Elliott Hotel where they have the dinner scene, the harbor, uh, Logan Airport, you know, uh, fucking government center, you know, everything. I mean, like, I, that's my that's my home turf. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I love this movie so much, even down to what really gets me. And I know this is such a small little thing, but, you know, you talk about Boston accents, right? Jack Nicholson. Doesn't really have one that much throughout the movie. However, when Leo goes to his apartment and he's eating the lobster, right? He's eating the lobster and he goes, I look at you and I think, what can I use you for? That is exactly how my Nana talked. That's how she said, wow, what can I use you for? That is my Nana grew up, you know, Jamaica Plain, Dorchester, uh, you know, Southie, uh, you know, she, you know, all over Boston. That was how she talked. And I just think that little it's such a minuscule thing. But you talk about like true Boston accents, he, that little, little thing like hits me so right subtle. in the feels. It's so subtle, oh. but it's so spot on. Um and plus, just like all the classic lines, you know, oh, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy, you know, like Mark Wahlberg, fucking Alec Baldwin. The two of them interplaying is one of the greatest things of the whole movie. It's so good. How's your mother? Good. She's having fucking my father. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, micro processes, micro processes. <laughs> Wait, what's the maybe line by Mark Wahlberg? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Is he, no, so it's 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 the Fed guy, and he's like he's like without asking for too much detail. Do you have someone in with Costello presently? And Mark Wahlberg's like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. <laughs> and then he's like he's like my theory on Feds is like mushrooms. Feed them shit and keep them in the dock. You ladies have a nice day. <laughs> And then he just like walks out and it's just like, oh shit, it's so fucking good. Dude, and then Baldwin's like, you know, he's he's really a very nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Do not do not judge him from this meeting alone. <laughs> yeah. Also, Baldwin to Damon. You know the part Baldwin to Damon where he's like, you know, when they're when he's uh hitting the balls at the driving range and he's like he's like, you know, a lot of people don't trust anyone with an impec with an uh impeccable record. He's like, I've got an impeccable record. Or what is it? He's like, we looked at all potential and possible candidates. 
you have an immaculate record. A lot of people don't trust the person who has an immaculate record. I do. I have an immaculate record. And he's like just pounding Budweiser's. Like, <laughs> you know, like just pounding beers. And then he's like, he's like, how are your nuptials coming along? He's like, good, good. She's a doctor. He's like, that's wonderful. <laughs> I love like hour in when they're planning like I think the first like sort of raid and he's like microprocesses you don't know what they are I don't either doesn't matter <laughs> yeah yeah <sighs> this is what we're after microprocesses I don't want the uh, you don't want the uh, who the fuck cares cash <laughs> large amounts of cash are changing hands like it's like <laughs> it's oh, <God>. so good <sighs> oh, oh my god and it's yeah. great it is great to have the Scorsese guys. I mean, obviously there's new ones thrown in here, but you know, he brings Leo in and then has just unbridled Boston characters. Oh Mark my Wahlberg God. and Matt Damon just unleashed with their full accents. And it's the cast yeah. is so big. Like you just said so many, but then of course Jack Nicholson in, in what I would say is one of his last great film roles. And then Vera yeah. Farmiga, obviously you've got like Anthony, Anthony Anderson. Kid. It's like, even I know he's not like a big name, but he was big in uh, season three of 24, which is one of my favorite shows. James Badge Dale, who plays, uh, you know, the one who's friendly, the other cop that's friendly with Damon. You know who I'm talking about? And then he's yeah. like also, yeah. you know, at the end, you remember, you remember the scene with Anthony Anderson and Damon. Whoa. And Whoa, don't say anything. Whoa, yeah, I won't. Whoa. I won't. I won't. No spoilers. No spoilers. What what I love, too, about this movie, which I recently found out in later years was that it's based off a Hong Kong film called mm-hmm. internal affairs, almost a shot for shot remake. And I know that like, you know, it's not original content or whatever, but I've, I've seen internal affairs and it's literally like a shot. It's like crazy. That's insane. You know what I mean? And it's great. And yeah. So this movie, you know, and, and I think, I think, this, so the the audible I threw this morning was I originally had departed at number three, and I had wow. I'm assuming Mike's number one. Okay. And very last minute, oh, no. I, I switched it up. You know, I switched it up because I I just woke up this morning and I was thinking about you know like my upbringing and you know Southie you know everything and I was like this this movie holds such a special place for me. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, you went with your heart. So, so that was the audible town. Yeah. I, 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 I texted town this morning, Mike, and I was like, dude, I just threw an audible. I yes, did some jumble. Yes, I love it. You know audible. what I mean? And, uh, that's the yeah. town special. He can never decide. He's I, always, yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. Play. He was like, I do it all the time. <laughs> I do it every goddamn week. This is actually the one week I didn't do it. So I needed Danny to do it for me. I know. I think it's good. You went with your heart. Yeah. You know, uh, so many great scenes, so many great lines, Mark Wahlberg, you know, and what I love too is like the title card. It doesn't even come in until 18 and a half minutes in with, with the, with the extreme volume turn up of shipping up to Boston. And, uh, I just love like, uh, you know, he's like, uh, I just love Jack Nicholson. I just love this line. I don't know why, but it's just, it's great. But he's like, you're going to stop doing coke deals with your jerk-off fucking cousin? And he's, like, beating the shit out of Leo. <laughs> and even, and even yeah. like, uh, even Mr. French, he's like, he's like, I fucking know you. I know your family. 
you make one more drug deal with that idiot fucking cop magnet of a cousin of yours. And it just cuts to the guy and he's like, because he's all coked out. And he's got like, he's like, this is just a sniffle. I just think it's so fucking funny. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, just that. Yeah. I, I can quote so that movie good. all day long. Well, let me get to my number one because I want you to quote that all Let's day long it. as well. You got, you got Which it. obviously, obviously is Goodfellas. Wow. So I'll, I'll go yeah. quick and pass it to you guys because this is, well, this is the one unanimous movie, right? It's yep. on all of our lists. On all of our lists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, and yeah, I mean, if somehow you haven't seen this movie, which is a big mistake, uh, it just tells kind of the, the, I mean, basically the true story of Henry Hill and his, his like involvement with uh, the mob and, and how that kind of all turns out. Um, this, I would say that, so fun fact about the last movie, Town already knows this, but then I had never seen The Departed until this week. Uh, basically because I'm like, well, I've seen Goodfellas, so like I don't need The Departed. I don't need The Irishman. I, I don't even need Casino. I'm like, this is gangster movie from Scorsese, and I don't need anything else because this movie just fucking kicks ass. It's probably, I don't know, it might be the, my, my favorite, like, after rewatching it, it might be, like, my favorite opening half hour to an hour of any movie I've seen in a long time. Wow. It's, you, you really, uh, unlike for me, at least with Casino, you really get to know the characters in terms of identifying with them. Um, and figuring out you know why they're doing this it's really like kind of a day in the life sort of thing you see how you could you know be in their shoes in different circumstances it's so funny um which i guess the departed you know kind of kind of is later i don't think casino is nearly as funny um but it's and it's as we said also it's it's really to me the best instance of kind of the rise and the fall where the first half is just so fun and unfortunately, as you know, it's going to happen. The second half leads to that inevitable downfall. It's just so fucking great. Ray Liotta is, so, he's so fucking great. And it's its a shame that he doesn't show up more. You know, he's so, so good in the movie that you're like, I wish he was just a regular Scorsese guy because obviously De Niro, obviously Pesci. Well, also I- crazily, just Samuel L. Jackson just like thrown in there. It's just insane cast. Yeah. Leota's amazing. I wish he would just like narrate my day to day. He's fucking incredible. Uh, go, you guys go. Well, what I'm going to say about Goodfellas, one, to piggyback off what you said about Ray Liotta, I always thought it was a total shame. I mean, it looks good on the on the poster, the cover, but it's like, of course, they use De Niro in the centerpiece of it. And it's like Leota and Pesci. And it's like, obviously, Leota's the main fucking character. And he crushes it. Probably best role of his career. And, I mean, he's just unbelievable. The, the, top, the, the top three all are in this. But it's like, Leota's just fantastic. De Niro's always good, and he's great in this as well. And then Pesci, I mean, to me, it's like, either this or Casino's his greatest role ever. And it's like, it's just, he's so, so good. It's it's like you said, it's like a day in the life. You, can, you get... For me, like, I don't even actually consider The Departed a similar movie. I know that technically they're both like dealing with sort of like like crime and mob stuff. But for me, it's like when I think of mob movie, I think Goodfellas, I think Godfather, I think Casino. I'm like and on those levels for me, 
it's not even a question that Goodfellas is the best mob movie of all time. I think for me, it it blows Godfather out of the water for me. I just think it's Whoa. fucking unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Um, but it's just such a fun watch. It's it's, you know, two and a half, three hours long. I can watch it all the time. It's just such a good insight into the life from someone being, you know, Ray Liotta in this case, you know, a kid growing up to getting into the mob to then the consequences that tend to inevitably come later in that life. It's just so perfectly played front to back. It is to me. I know it's my number two and not my number one, but I I think without doubt it's Scorsese's most impactful film. And I think it's his best, if that makes sense. Like I said, like I did, I did the swap, you know, this morning, but you know, up until literally this morning, it was my number one. That says a lot. I mean, so that's how important, that's how important it is, you know, to me as well. I mean, just like I I wrote down all, I wrote down all these, all these things, you know, the classic line, never write on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. You know, when he gets pinched the first time, I thought you'd be mad. He's like, mad. I'm not mad. He's like, you know what? You did it right. Everybody gets pinched. You did it right. You know? I also love the line, you know, Mike, so you were saying like the first half hour to the hour. I also love the line. It's a freeze frame, which fucking Scorsese loves to do when he, when the dad's beating him with the belt. And he's like, and he's yeah. like, uh, and he's like, one day the kids from the neighborhood carried my mother's groceries all the way home. You want to know why? It was out of respect. You know, it's just like, oh shit. Yes. It's like 15, you know what I mean? Like, just like the kids carry the groceries home, you know, uh, you got the Copa shot, the epic copa shot single single camera going through it's like you know what five minutes long something like that walking through the copa i mean that's amazing um even like the the precursor to that shot is when they're going around the the club um that restaurant and introducing all the gangsters you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and then there was michael franchese and da 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 and my favorite, my favorite, I, I say this at work all the time. We say it, this is one of the quotes we quote all the time at work. Uh, he's like, and then there was, uh, and then there was Jimmy two times because he said everything two times. Like, I'm going to get the papers, get the papers, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's so good. It's so good. The, you know, uh, one thing that's interesting, and I don't know if you guys caught this. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it's not giving too much away, but. You know, when when they go to the mom's house to get the shovel and they're like oh, joking yeah. about, uh, you know, he's like, he's like the hoof. He's like, you know, the paw, the, the paw. Yeah. He's like, yeah, hoof, hoof. You know, if you notice, they're eating pasta, right? But De Niro takes ketchup and puts ketchup oh, yeah, yeah. On, his, yes. on his pasta, right? And then very, very, very full circle foreshadowing just a little bit, the, you know, very end, he's like, He's like, I asked for pasta and gravy. I got egg noodles and ketchup. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. that's what that was. Uh, that was early in the film. He puts fucking ketchup on his noodles, you know? And and about um, that scene, you know, De Niro is, I mean, he's he's somewhat of a method actor in, in his own right. You know, we talked about DDL, who's legendary, but obviously De Niro, especially Raging Bull, you know, he goes hard. He would call up the real Henry Hill like fucking eight times a day. 
and just ask them, oh, how do you hold your cigarette? Okay, you put ketchup on everything. How do you put ketchup on everything? He was just obsessed with getting every single detail right. That's unbelievable. You know, and again, like Goodfellas basically has the whole cast of Sopranos. So true. So true. Like Lorraine Brock. I mean, like, like, you know, uh, you know, I I forget. It's it's, um, uh, was like Michael uh, Imperial Pesciolone, however you say his last name. Spider. You know, and then uh, Paul Sorvino, right? Yeah, Frank Vincent. Paul Servino, Frank Vincent, Paul Servino. Um, you got Frankie, the other guy. Uh, um, he's got like slick back hair. When they go and visit Stacks, he's like, "Take that coffee to go." You know, he's you know, like you have like pretty much the whole cast of fucking Sopranos in this in this thing. Her mom, the um, Rain Bracco's mom in this movie is is Edie Falco's mom in Sopranos. You know, holy shit. I love this scene too when he's oh all right when she's trying to go shopping and needs money and she gives and she yeah. goes down she goes down on him in the kitchen oh all right oh yeah it's so good it's just it's it really is one of the more impactful movies ever it's like when you talk about when people talk about some of the most important films ever made Goodfellas usually comes into the discussion eventually. It's rated it's rated as one of the most prolific gangster films ever made. Yeah. Yeah. And it absolutely is. I mean, when you think gangster films, I feel like you know, mob, whatever, I feel like the two movies that first come to mind are The Godfather series and Goodfellas. Very different movies. Very different. Very yeah. very different. But, you know, both start with a G. That's probably that's the most that's what they got in sex. Nailed it. Um, but shit. I mean, yeah, Goodfellas. It says it all. Only movie on all three of our lists. Great way to fucking yeah. close it out. And as we hit the end of the lists, boys, let's just do a quick rollback for everyone listening. We'll go through from five to one what our top five was. My top five was number five. Gangs in New York, number four, The Departed, number three, Shutter Island, number two, Goodfellas, and number one, The Wolf of Wall Street. Danny? Uh, My five, number five, Casino, number four, Raging Bull, number three, Goodfellas, which was the swap this morning from number one, number two, The Aviator, congrats, Wex, and number one was The Departed. Amazing. Yeah, I am five, The Age of Innocence, four, Raging Bull, Three, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Two, After Hours. One, Goodfellas. Amazing. And should we, uh, I mean, is there any ones that we want to throw out that we haven't talked about? Just a few honorables. Obviously, you know, people can look up his filmography, but any that were sort of approaching the list that we felt deserve some extra praise? I have one that I feel like you guys might not say. I wanted to shout out Hugo. Um, oh, nice. mm. which is sort of a more kid-friendly film he made about, I think it was 10 years ago. It's a really sweet movie, and it also dives into film history and sort Absolutely. of just like having a passion for something and also deals with, of course, loss as the, the film revolves around a young boy who had, had lost his father and 
sort of goes down a rabbit hole trying to thinking there's a message maybe that was sent to him from beyond the grave. And it's really, really good. And it's got a, it's got a good cast. It's got, um, well, it's got Ben Kingsley Chloe, in it and, and Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really good movie that I think is worth checking out and maybe is less, uh, talked about, but I, I will give it to you guys. Now. Um, mine would be taxi driver. Oh, yeah. just because yeah taxi driver that was what kind of really was like whoa and that kind of propelled me into film school at the time and i studied that movie a lot uh at bu um and it did make my list today just because i rewatched it again and even though it's an amazing movie it's just these other ones just for some reason just kind of overpowered it but okay. like i got a taxi driver poster hanging on my wall it means a lot to you yeah, it means a lot. It's a great De Niro role. Um, you know, um, Harvey Keitel, uh, Jodie Foster, young Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like Sybil Shepard. Um, just overall great, dark, dark, so good. I think people listening to the pod, that's going to be the one surprise that that's not on any of our lists, that movie. Because it's a very big yeah. Scorsese film in his, in his you know, career. And... Yeah, for me, I actually used to not really like it that much. But I, I'll actually say on the rewatch this week, I was like, oh, you know what? This is a good movie. And I can understand, especially at the time, why it was so impactful. But it's just, yeah, he has so many good movies that it's it's not near the top for me. But it's also not near the bottom. It's just somewhere in the middle for me. I, th- I think mine would actually be going way, way back mm-hmm. to his, his first feature-length film, Who's That Knocking at My Door, Ooh. which is a film I, I like a lot. I think, I mean, it's, I think it's Harvey Keitel's first film, and he's incredible in it. But, um, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's rough in parts because of, you know, obviously the, the tools that he has to make the film, but also it being his first. But it's also, you know, it's surprisingly fully formed, um, I, and I really like the relationship that Harvey Keitel has uh, in the movie. And it, it really just establishes, you know, a theme of kind of messy relationships that he has all throughout uh, his films. And, and it, in many ways, it's kind of a, you know, you can see that it's like a, a practice run for Mean Streets, which I actually don't like as much, which is a bit of a hot take. Mm-hmm. But I do think a lot of people haven't gone back and seen this and, and they should. It's. It, it punches well above what you would think for a first film. That's good to know. Was that in the, was that in the 60s? Late 60s? Yeah, I think so. It is 67. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just unbelievable how long yeah. ago that is compared to, I mean, he's, you know, just made The Irishman. And I will actually say about The Irishman, I want to I give that a little bit of a shout out. Not because I think it's one of his best, but I think it got a little shit when it came out, even though it had like, amazing reviews critically and i personally was someone that thought it was great i mean not one of my favorites but it was so good to see those those guys all on screen again together and obviously you add in pacino and i mean pesci hadn't been in a movie in in a while and it's just it was long it's like three and a half hours long but it it was good It, it was it was really good and i thought the ending was great and I think uh, if you've hesitated on that one at all because of the runtime or maybe someone saying something negative for whatever reason, 
definitely worth a watch. I liked Pesci's character a lot in it, mm-hmm. actually. The yeah. softer evolved version of like the craziness that is Casino. Exactly. I thought I thought it was cool. And also big shout out Jesse Plemons, our guy. Of course. Friday Night Lights. Of course. Of course. I'm like, oh, and Dan, I was like, one last thing I wanted to ask you, because I, I, I think we talked yeah. about this. But speaking of Pesci, don't you have a Pesci story? Do you have a do you have a little Pesci story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so one night he came in, I forget who he was with, but he came in with some people and uh, we're walking him back to, we have this like private dining room and we're walking him back. And uh, he's like, Hey, who's the bartender? And it's my friend whose last name is also Pesci. So he was like, Oh, Hey, I'm David Pesci. And he was like, you're Pesci. He's like, I'm Pesci. And then he's just like, ha yeah, you know, whatever. And then he like looks at my friend and he's like, he's like, make sure you measure those fucking drinks. I don't want to get too fucked up. You measure those cocktails. <laughs> like, just like, just like basically like telling him like, do not get me fucked up tonight. And he was like, yes, sir. Okay. No problem. You know what I mean? Like, just so funny. You I, measure those drinks. You measure those drinks. You measure those drinks. I want to get too fucked up. And uh, that is incredible. Yeah, that was, that was so- funny. That was funny. I mean, we could not possibly end on a better note than that. No, we could not. <laughs> and Danny, we're going to have to have you on again because it's like you just, again, you have just had so many encounters with people across this town. And some people I know that will be interested to talk about on the podcast at some point. I know at some point for everyone, we'll have to do another Blink-182 related episode as Dan has relationships with you know those guys and... There's just uh, there's so much we can go into with you, and I I can't wait to do it again. But I'm so happy we finally got to have you on for your first time guesting, and it's been an honor, my friend. I appreciate it, guys. This was this was fun. This is also just great, just rewatching, you know, all the filmography yeah. and being like, oh yeah, fuck, like that movie. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, shit, I forgot about this one. You know, because he's got so many. He's directed like seventy friggin' films. You know what I mean? And it's like. Holy hell. And you can't watch them all. You don't, you know, there's like not enough time in the world before, you know, with like all of our schedules and stuff. But you look back at all these movies and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Like that movie's fucking awesome. Do you, you hear the Boston I mean? accent and, right uh, there? Do you hear the yeah, Boston dude, accent? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> fucking movie's awesome. Yes. Yeah, fucking. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it's so true though. It's like, uh, that's what was so wonderful about this one specifically is like it's for Mike and I, obviously every week we're watching, we tend to watch movies or whatever we're doing, but it's like this one with it being a specific director being Scorsese. It really was such a joy to be able to go back through the filmography and just go through it all and give us, give all three of us an excuse to watch them. Like, like you said, I mean, he's, his movies run long, so it's not, and they're not always the easiest to- topics. So My God, going back and watching it, it was good to good to have a reason to do it. It was indeed one hundred percent. Well, gents, this has been this has truly been fucking awesome. And Danny, keep accumulating stories to bring to us next time. <laughs> and, I will. I will. Uh, I will. And I mean, with that. What else would we do, Dan, than, you know, your dear friend Zach to croon us out of this episode? 
Give us the little theme song, baby. All right. We'll see everyone next week. Uh, If you want to find us, you know, top fives and deep dives at gmail.com. Instagram, top fives and deep dives. Twitter, top dives. Zach, take it away. Top fives and deep dives. We're tired of PTM. Top fives and deep dives. We're tired of PTM. Top fives and deep dives. We're tired of PTM. Top fives and deep dives. We're tired of PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin. I sucked his cock. I sucked his cock. Like, oh, it's like, it's just so like, oh my God, you know?